and turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus this morning. Second book of the Bible. It talks about the exodus of the children of Israel going from Egypt back to Canaan. They had been in Canaan and they went for about 400 years down there to Egypt and then they were heading back, going to be heading back to Canaan, the promised land once again. Exodus chapter 1, verse number 8 down to verse 22. Follow along as I read this morning. Exodus chapter 1, verse number 8 down to verse number 22. And now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of it, uh, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when they followeth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them out, out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter and hard, uh, with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service uh, wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake unto the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Sifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then, shall, uh, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing, and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere uh, the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word and how precious and special it is. It is the word of life. Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word. Your truth is what exposes error. Lord, your, your truth is what guides us and gives us direction for our life. And Father, today I pray as we uh, consider this portion of Scripture that, Lord, it would cause us, Lord, to walk close to you. Lord, you've said if we draw close to you, you'll draw close to us. Father, we need you today more than ever before. America needs you today, Father. And we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, convict us of sin where there's sin in our life. Lord, help us to turn from, from that which is not pleasing to you. And Lord, help us to embrace righteousness and Lord, to walk humbly with our God. Father, we just pray that you give me the words today to speak. 
Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of standing behind the pulpit. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the hearts of people today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Marquis de Lafayette was a French officer who provided invaluable assistance to George Washington when we were struggling with our battle with Britain. After the war was over, Lafayette went back to France and he resumed his life as a farmer of many estates. In 1783, the harvest was, ter uh, was a terrible one and there were many who suffered as a result. Lafayette's uh, estates, though, were unaffected by the, the drought and the famine that was, that was happening to the crop failures. One of his workers thought he came up with some good advice. He said, you know, uh, the bad harvest has raised the price of the wheat. Now is the time to sell. Sell the wheat to the people. Get the profits you can get. After thinking about the hungry people that were there in the towns, Lafayette disagreed and he said, no, this is the time to give. God had blessed Lafayette so that he could be a blessing to those who were struggling in life. From time to time, we wonder what the Lord is doing in our life or perhaps in the lives of others. We may even doubt if God's doing anything at all. Perhaps we can't perceive any visible outward sign that He's working. There's no parting of the Red Sea. There's no calling down fire from heaven to devour the sacrifice that's on the altar like it was in Elijah's days. We don't hear a voice from heaven telling us the path that we should take. Everything seems to be silent. We might ask ourselves, has God ceased to work any longer? Just because we cannot see God work doesn't mean that He has ceased to work. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When you and I, when we got saved, God began a good work in us. And sometimes that work is slow. Sometimes it's very meticulous. Sometimes it takes a lot of time to work in the areas of our life. But God has promised that He has not stopped working if we're saved. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. To preserve us blameless. To, to sanctify us, to set us apart under the Lord. God is working to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Today in our text, we see a perfect example of God working behind the scenes. The title of the message is God Still Working. Is God still working? When we can't see God working, don't give up. Because God is working in the areas that are not visible to our eyes. He wants us to remain faithful through those difficult times, the times when He remains silent, and the times when there is no burning bush experience. God is still in control. He's still working as He is today. I want you to see as we look at this portion of Scripture today, difficult circumstances don't mean that God has ceased to work. We look at verses 8 down to verse number 12, and let's just read that again. 
It says, now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. You say, Pastor, what is he talking about? Remember, Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. And Joseph was a son that was beloved of his father. He was given a coat of many colors. And it was a coat to show that, that uh, Jacob loved this son. And he had some brothers that were rascally brothers. Brothers that didn't want to do right. And they, uh, remember God had blessed J uh, Joseph and he had given him a dream that talking about things down in the future that God was going to use Joseph and, and all the brothers were going to bow down and, and, and bow down before him. I can imagine if I had told my older sisters that someday you're going to bow down and uh, bow down before me, they would, have, they, they, could, they would have accepted that. Because they were thought, you know, we're older. My older sister that was four years older than me, she kept saying, you know what, uh, wait until you get to, my, to where I am, then you'll really understand what it's like. You know, when I was in junior high, uh, and she was in high school, she was four years older, she'd say, well, you know what, when you're in junior high, as I was making A's and, A's and, and B's in that time, she said, wait until you get in high school, and you'll really understand. Well, when I got in high school, I, I still made A's and B's. And she said, well, wait until you get into college, then you'll really understand what it's all about. She couldn't understand the fact that you know, her baby brother might be a little as smart as she was. Um, when I went to college, same thing. God was just good. Because uh, you know what? Siblings want to show that, hey, we, all the wisdom, all the intelligence, all the goodies came in with the first one, amen? If you're an older one, are you saying amen on that, or are you just kind of like, uh, no, okay. Yeah, probably because you're being outshouted by the ones that are younger than you, Amen. But uh, here's Joseph's brothers. Hey, he said, no way are we going to bow down. In fact, he even told Dad that, hey, you know what? Even Mom, Mom and Dad are going to, you've got to bow down for me. And Dad, you know, I, wait a minute, you know what? Hey, I took you, I brought you into this world. I can take you out, you know. It was that, you know, he just kind of thought about that, what he was saying. But may I share with you that God was telling about things that were going to happen in the future. Joseph was a son who loved God. He was faithful to God. Life of Joseph, uh, when Dr. Dr. R. was here, he, he wrote a book, uh, 101 Lessons We Can Learn from the Life of Joseph. Some good practical lessons, a great book. Um, I think we have some in the bookstore. If we don't, it's, it's a, definitely a book that needs to be in there. But they're very practical lessons about the Christian life and about how, how we're supposed to live because Joseph was an example Remember, Joseph's brothers decided one day that they were going to get rid of Joseph. If we just got rid of Joseph, our life would be so much better. And so they sold Joseph. They sold him to go down uh, to, to some Ishmaelites who went down to Egypt. And while he was down there, he was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, it's amazing, he was raised up to be second in command. God blessed all that was under his hand. God was with him. God blessed and God prospered him. Folks, you know what? When hard times come, it doesn't mean that God has stopped working. We can still trust in God. We can still walk with God. God can still work in his way. And you remember while he was there, Potiphar's wife lied about him and he wound up in, in prison. And there the, the keeper of the jail uh, saw, uh, saw Joseph and how he lived and how he walked and how God, God prospered him. God was with him there. And guess what? He was second in command there. And he had all this, the other people that were there in the prison were under his control. 
God was teaching him. God was working in the life of Joseph. And eventually, Pharaoh had a dream. And Joseph was able to tell the interpretation of the dream. And now Joseph is moved up to second in command down in Egypt. God had raised him in that, that place because there was going to be coming a famine of, uh, in the land. It was going to be a harsh famine. And God raised Joseph to be there at such a tr- strategic time to not only pres- provide for the people of Egypt, but to provide for the people of Israel they came from Canaan and came and lived in Egypt for 400 years. God had worked through Joseph. Going through those hard times, you say, well, is God working? Joseph understood it. He told his brothers when his brothers came down to buy food and so forth, and they did bow down to him, just like he said. But when they came down there, Joseph says, you know what? You meant what you did to me for evil, but God meant it for good. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. God has a plan. May I share with you that God has a plan for your life today? God has a plan for everyone that's here today. God has a plan for your life. You say, well, my life doesn't look like there's a much plan to it. Can I tell you, God has a plan. The the issue is you have to get on his plan to know what the plan is for your life. And his plan is that you might be conformed to the image of his son, that you would have your sins forgiven and to have the life that he wants you to have, to have fellowship with God. Several hundred years now has passed since the time that Joseph was here and, and providing, and God had given him wisdom how to provide food during those famine years, and they raised up a, a, a time period, 400 years from that time to the current time that we're looking at here in Exodus. And the Bible says they raised up a king which knew not Joseph. Didn't understand what Joseph had done. But instead he looked at the children of Israel, and here the children of Israel they had come out of Canaan. They came out 70 people. Now, Bible, some Bible scholars think there's about a million and a half to two million Jews present in the land of Egypt. And the, king, and the Pharaoh that was down there said, you know what, when we get into a battle, these people can align themselves with our enemy and, and then they, they could go ahead and go free and go back to their promised land. So we're going to treat them and we're going, to get to, we're going to get the upper hand. We're going to deal with them. And the Bible says, as we look at this portion of Scripture, verse uh, number 10, it says, come, come on, let us deal wisely with them. Let's, when they multiply, and it come to pass that when they, there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set them over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more that they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. It's interesting uh, to note there, the more that they afflicted the children of Israel, the more that God prospered them. For the children of God, some of our greatest times of growth are when we're going through our most difficult times. We draw close to God because we realize that we uh, won't get through these circumstances without his help. We are more careful to walk and be sure that sin is out of our life because we know that sin breaks fellowship 
with God. So we make sure that sin is out of our life. Our prayer life becomes more earnest and real because there's no one else who can help us other than God. We tend to read our Bibles more because we need to, to hear some encouraging words from God. He's the God of all comfort. We hear in His Word the next step that we should take. And because we are in the Word of God and seeking God's face, He gives us insight into His Word like never before. We find our faith grows as we trust in the Lord's leading. And we may even find greater uh, doors of opportunity to tell others about the Lord during those times. God uses these challenging times of life to cause us to grow more. Jim Corley met a friend, his name was Alex, at a dealership where Alex worked. And Alex said to his friend Jim, he said, you know, uh, I feel like a hypocrite every time I come to church because I fail Christ so often. Jim asked Alex, he says, uh, what do you call this particular part of the dealership? And Alex said, well, you, you mean the showroom? This is the showroom here uh, where we're standing right now. He says, yes, and, and what's behind the showroom, behind the parts counter over there? Uh, what's that department over there? He says, that's called the service department. He says, Jim said to Alex, he said, well, what if, I, what if I told you I didn't want to bring in my car to the service department because it was running rough? Alex said, well, that would be foolish. That would be stupid. Because you bring your car when it's not running right to the service department so it can learn to run right. We can get it fixed. He says, okay, so let's go back to our conversation." You're absolutely right. Instead of thinking of church as a showroom where the image is everything, let's start thinking of God's uh, as a church as God's service department. Helping people to get back in running order with God is what church is all about. That's what church is all about. Getting back on track, getting, getting tuned up, getting better. That's what church is all about. It's not, a, it's not a place where we come and we show off. I remember in church, there was a lady who came into our church and she would sing specials and, and she thought she had a great voice and she'd start over at this side and when she'd come up on the platform to sing her thing and her nose was in the air. I, you know, I would, I would think if there was a somebody out there, uh, you know, she could stumble over because she was never looking down. She was always looking up. And she'd strut up to, the, pew, uh, up to the, the microphone and she'd get herself all uh, situated. And then, you know, now that everybody was looking at her, then she'd start singing a song. And she's done. Her nose was still up in the air and she'd walk off. But you know what? There were times, there was another particular individual that, that we knew. And this person would walk up and wouldn't have their nose in the air. They'd kind of walk kind of humbly. And they'd walk up and they'd, stand there in front of the microphone and they'd hold on to the, the pulpit because you know, they're a little nervous. they start singing and the words of the song would so grip their heart they'd start crying. Sometimes they wouldn't even be able to get through the song. But you know what? As you looked at the people out in the audience, the people, their tears started coming to their eyes. May I share with you that the, the Bible says God resists the proud. 
but He gives grace unto the humble. When we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, the Lord can raise us up. But when we think that we're something, God says, let me just tell you something. I'm standing on the other side. I'm putting my hand out like this. I'm resisting you. Folks, today I, I think we need to understand and realize that God wants to work in our hearts and lives. The preaching of God's Word is to help us to, to understand what God wants to, to do in our life so that we can hear what God's Word says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Oh, this is what God wants me to do. This is how I should live. And then we take those things and we embrace those things and we do those things because that's what pleases our Lord. We wouldn't know it if we didn't come to hear the preaching of God's Word. Satan would have us to focus on the times that we fail on the Lord. The Lord wants us to focus on how the Lord is working through those times. Remember the psalmist and what he said in Psalm 73, verses 14 through 17? It says, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, uh, if I, say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my people when he would want to try to do right, and he would say something, it would offend somebody. He says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. He's talking about the end of the evil person. In Psalm 73, the evil person seems to be getting the upper hand. The evil person, the wicked person, seems to have all the, the good things that this world has to offer. The evil person, there's no restraint in what they do. But the Bible says when he went to the house of God, he got God's perspective. Look with me to Psalm chapter 73 for a second. Psalm 73. Here is a man who was a righteous man. He was trying to do what was right. He was trying to live for God. It just didn't seem to be of any benefit. But look here in Psalm 73 and verse 17. It says, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein the, the end of an evil person. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Hey, this man who thought about living for God was, was a waste. He says, no, 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 no. It's not a waste. Look what he says in this portion. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. When we get saved, God comes to live inside our heart. We have the Lord inside. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. How wonderful that truth is. Thou hast holden me up with thy right hand. When we're getting ready to fall, when we're having a difficult time, what happens? God holds us up. Though a just man, a righteous man, falleth seven times, he rises up again. How can he rise up again? How can you get back on track with God? Hey, God is still there. How wonderful that is. Verse 24, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. 
God wants to guide us. Today, can I share with you that God wants to guide your life? He wants to guide your steps. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. God wants to direct your path, but you've got to be looking to God. You know, when we get our eyes off of God, we look on things, on self, or on others. And all of us get shifted off if we're not careful. doesn't matter how long we've been saved. doesn't matter. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they, the wicked, that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go a-whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may, de- uh, that, uh, that I may declare all thy works. Today, God wants us to get our focus and our heart and our mind set upon the Lord. To focus on the Lord. Are you growing through the difficult times of your life? What lessons is God showing you as you're going through that? I'll tell you what, this uh, whole time period that we're going through right now, God's teaching me a whole lot of things. And I've been saved since I was seven. That's a long time ago. But can I share with you that when you think you've got God all figured out, you don't. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. In this planning of the, this move and everything, I had it all worked out in my mind. I shared this with you. God, I think this is, what you, this is the way it's going to work out. And God says, nope, that's not the way it's going to work out. Uh, th- this is going to be the timing, and we plan for that, and that's not going to work out. And, and God says, well, what about this? And that didn't work out. So I sit back and say, well, Lord, I guess we're just, I'm just going to trust in you and, and however it's going to work out, we know that you've got to do something. you just got to do something. You're opening doors over here and we're supposed to be over there and, and the, this church needs a, a pastor and you need, need to take care of all this and, and, all, and God just works everything out in his time. It's, it's amazing. Can we really trust in the Lord? Huh? Yes. You can trust in God. You may not understand what he's doing, but I'm telling you, you can trust in God today. Have you drawn closer through the trials of your life, or have you separated yourself from God? Folks, can I tell you something? Separating yourself from God is not going to help you. Drawing close to God. If you will draw close to God, God says he will draw close to you. When you take that step toward God and, 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 and drawing close and doing what, repenting of your sins and drawing close to you, or drawing close to him, he will draw close to you. He doesn't sit back and say, well, okay, I'm waiting for you to get all the way up here. No, 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 that's not what he does. When the, when the, son of the, or the father of the prodigal son saw his son uh, coming back, what did he do? He saw his son. He ran to him. That's what God does. Difficult circumstances don't mean that God has ceased to work. Notice the second thing that we see, and that's back in that portion of Scripture, that there are always those who will dare to take a stand for God and believe that He will see them through the troubled times. Look at verse 13. We find a couple of of 
uh, folk here, and it says, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter and hard bondage, in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made their, them serve with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake unto the Hebrew midwives, notice, of which the name of the one was Sephira and the other was Puah. And he said, When ye do this, the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. Folks, can I tell you something? This is just like abortion today. In some of the states, they want to say they want to go all the way to when that child is born to kill that child. That's murder, folks. It's murder. They were doing it back in Egypt in the day. It's murder. Who calls it murder? God does. And these people were trying to do it, but it's interesting. We have there were some midwives who were willing to take a stand for what was right and what's true. It says, but the midwives, verse 17, feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. They could spare the, the baby girls. Why? Because the baby girls were not going to be the ones that are going to be fighting in the battle. It was going to be the men. Folks, can I tell you something? God had already, God knew and planned when there's wars and battles, it's the men that should go to war. You say, well, pastor, a lady can do anything a guy can do. Let me tell you something. You might have the intelligence to do what men do, and sometimes ladies do better than men do. But can I tell you something? God designed men physiologically different than ladies. God put that responsibility of protection upon the shoulders of the men, not the ladies. Now, some of you ladies, I'm telling you, you're crack shots. You might be able to outshoot your husbands. Protect your homes with your, you know, AK-47s and things of that nature. You don't want to mess around here in Montana. I'm just telling you. But the bottom line issue, when it comes to this issue of protection and protecting the home, it's the man's responsibility to protect the home. And we put women in positions that God never intended for them to be out there. And Pharaoh even knew this. Pharaoh understood, hey, let's, get, let's take care of the men, get rid of the men. But you know what? God protected those men, child, those men children through these midwives. They were willing to take a stand and, to, and to, to stand up for that which was right. It says, notice, the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. They were courageous. Hey, ladies, you know what? You can be courageous today. Well, it's men are supposed to be courageous. I'm just supposed to submit. Let me tell you something. You see in the scriptures, you see some ladies that were courageous. I think of Deborah. She's courageous. She told, she, she spoke the truth, and, and here's Barak. Uh, she says, you know what? Barak, you need to get up, and you need to go out and lead the, lead, uh, the children of Israel into war. He says, well, I'm not going to go unless you go with me. I'm thinking, what a panty waste. Get a backbone. She, she, was, she said, well, don't you know that if I go, then they're going to say, hey, a woman is the one that led you? He said, I don't care. I'm not going to go and let you go. Well, I'd really like to follow him. Can I tell you something? Women, you do have wisdom. And you need courage. I'll tell you what, it takes courage to live for God. 
It takes courage to reel your children for Jesus Christ. It takes courage to stand in these days in which we live. And we need ladies who are, have courage to stand up for God to support the men who need to stand up for God. It's not easy. But you can do it by God's grace. In taking a stand for God, they were taking a stand against the earthly authority that told them to do wrong. And taking a stand, they could, they could have been put to death. But they decided that they ought to obey God rather than men. And folks, it's time for us to decide to serve God and to put God first in our life. Oh, how we need courageous Christian men and women today. Courageous men and women and young people who will stand for the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what others say. We're so afraid of what others say that we've lost our spiritual backbone. We have become wishy-washy in an attempt to keep peace. I was reading some time ago in a, in a Christian Law Association newsletter, and one of the prayer requests was, says, please pray as CLA attorneys assist a pastor in Ohio whose secular employer is requesting that he work on Sundays. A pastor! This pastor is taking a stand for the Lord. He says, you know what? I'm a Christian. I don't work on Sundays. Oh, pastor, you've got to do that or you won't have a job. Let me just tell you something. God can provide a job for you when you take a stand for Him. We have given up far too much as Christians. It's time for us to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the salt? At B.F. Mills. An old-fashioned preacher told the following story. He said, you know, I was going downstairs in a hotel about midnight, had some letters in my hand. When I got down, down there, there was a policeman that was there, and, and uh, the policeman said, you know, I'll take care of those letters and I'll mail those for you. And Mr. Mills uh, thanked him and, and handed them to him and started back upstairs. And all of a sudden, there was a little small voice that said, to Mr. Mills, uh, why didn't you speak to him about Jesus Christ? Well, he says, you know, you know how, how we talk to ourselves sometimes? The still small voice of the Lord speaks to us. and Why didn't you talk to him? And he says, well, because I didn't think it was going to do any good. The voice said, well, how do you know? Well, he goes on, you know, he's trying to justify God why he's doing what he's doing, why he didn't speak to him. He says, well, Lord, he did not look like he had a soul. You know, he's kind of, he's kind of fleshly looking. He's kind of a hard, hard man. He, didn't, he looked like he had a soul all that night. His soul was, Mills' soul was bothered because he didn't tell him about the Lord. The next day, his, his soul was bothered. And so he told the Lord, he said, Lord, you know, I've missed that opportunity. And Lord, if you give me another opportunity, I'll speak to him. Later that afternoon, this preacher was standing up preaching, and guess who came to the service that day? He sat, the officer sat in the back, uh, back pew back there. And so he thought, well, here's another opportunity, Lord. You, I, you, I said if you just gave me an opportunity, I'll, I'll speak to him. Well, when the service was over, the people rushed up to talk to the preacher, and he couldn't get back to where the man was. And he thought, oh, well, 
I, I'm, I'm going to lose this opportunity, and the people were still there, and all of a sudden you couldn't see him anymore. He says, well, I guess I lost that opportunity. But no, he was still there. In fact, he was making his way toward the front of the building. Tears were streaming down his cheeks. And he said to the preacher, I have never known what it meant to be a Christian, but if you'll tell me right now, I'll accept him. You know, all around us, folks, are people waiting in some store, on some street, maybe across the table. They're looking for someone to tell them about how to be saved. May I share with you today, God's given us opportunities. Sometimes in those difficult times, sometimes in those hard times, there's an opportunity to reach a person that is looking for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So, well, Pastor, I don't think that doctor really even understands anything about Jesus Christ. I don't think that that, that situation, that, that person even wants it. How do you know? God's placed you. There's no accidents with God. There's divine appointments. That man got saved that day. When was the last time that you stood up and were counted a Christian because of the stand that you took for Jesus Christ? When was the last time that you gave a defense for your faith and didn't back down? When was the last time that you demonstrated that you really feared the Lord by doing that which was right even when it wasn't politically right to do? Hey, these midwives feared the Lord, but they also trusted that God would be able to care for them. I want you to see the third point in this portion of Scripture, and that's this. God can still bless those who fear Him even when it seems impossible. Look at verse number 20 and 21 of this portion. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. The Egyptians had made the living of the Jews very hard, but notice what that verse said. God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied. In the time when things were tough, God still blessed. God blessed these women because they feared him and did what was right and pleasing to him. You know, there are those today who are afraid to take a stand for the Lord because of what it might cost them. It might cost them their friends. It might cost them their job if they stand for the Lord. It might cost them money. It might cost them popularity. But I submit to you that God is able to keep us and provide for us. So what if we lose friends because we take a stand for the Lord? He'll provide other friends for us. Uh, what if we lose our job because we're more willing to obey God rather than men? Do you not think that God can supply a job for you? The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What if we, what if we lose our popularity because uh, we let it known that we're, as a Christian that we love the Savior. Isn't it more important to please God than to please men? 
May I share with you as we conclude today, difficult circumstances don't mean that God has stopped working. Will you be one of those who dare to stand for God and believe that He will take care of you through those troublesome times? Will God's blessings be poured out on you because you feared His name and you've chosen to live for Him? Today, folks, I pray that you would just put God first. And don't forget, you can stand for Him. And you can draw close to Him today. God is still working. I don't care how dark it seems outside. God is still in control. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You today for the precious and wonderful promises of Thy Word. We thank You, God, that we can come before You and, and know that You are still a God who's in control. That it's still worth it to trust You and to walk with You and God, that you will reward us for, for doing that which is pleasing unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Father, I pray today that we would seek and trust you today. Father, thank you for your word. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you today. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? Do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? You say, well, Pastor, I think so. There's a difference between thinking so and knowing so. Thinking so, there's doubt. There's only one way to heaven. The world will tell you there's many ways. Be a good person, be baptized, join a church, give money. All of those are going to fail. There's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man. Jesus Christ came as your sin debt payer. He died in your place. He took your sins on his body on the tree. He took that penalty. His shed blood was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, without spot and without blemish, that God was looking for as a payment for the sins of the world. He suffered and he bled and he died. A horrible death. He was buried. And the third day, he arose again. Praise God for all of that that Jesus did for us. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you say, well, Pastor, I don't think I'm too bad. God says we're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of your sin is death. Spiritual separation from God for all of eternity. Sorrow and suffering and pain are a result of that sin that was, that was brought into the world. So well, why is all this suffering and sorrow come up? Because of sin. And God has to judge sin. He's a righteous God. He's holy. He's a God of love but he has to judge sin because then he would, if he doesn't, he ceases to be holy. And he judged all of your sin and mine on the cross. And if we are willing to accept that payment that was made for you and for me on the cross and ask Jesus to be our Savior, God forgives us. He washes all of our sin away. He gives us a new beginning. We have a new start in Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, that's what I want today. I want Jesus to come into my heart, just like that man, just like that police officer. I want Jesus to be my Savior today. 
He's knocking at your heart's door right now. He says, if any man will open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. If you'll only open the door. You say, well, how do I do that? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do I call? Calling on the name of the Lord is to pray. You can pray a simple prayer like this, and truly, if you mean it in your heart. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He suffered and bled for me as a payment for my sins. I want him to come into my heart and save me right now. I want to turn to Jesus and from my sin. I want to live the way that Jesus wants me to live. In Jesus' name. With no one looking around, if you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, Jesus said, those that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, he has come into your heart and into your life. Greatest decision you could ever make in your life. If you prayed that prayer with no one looking around but myself, I'd love to pray for you as you start your new life in Christ. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you slip your hand up for just a moment and put it back down as a testimony of what you just did? Is there anyone like that this morning? Dear Christian, let me ask you today. You may know Jesus as your Savior, but perhaps God's spoken to you about becoming more bold and more courageous in your stand for Jesus Christ. Doing what God wants you to do. Taking a stand for Him. You say, Pastor, that's what I need to do. That's what God is speaking to my heart about today. Please, I, I need prayer that I'll, I'll speak and be bolder in my witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're like that today, just like Paul, Paul prayed that. He said, please pray for me that I might be bold to speak as I ought to speak. If you're like that, you say, Pastor, please pray for me. Is there anyone like that this morning? Yes. Amen. You can change the area around you. You can change folk around you by standing for the Lord Jesus Christ and letting Jesus be known. Jesus is the one that makes the difference. We just have to be bold in speaking for him. Dear Father, I pray that you'd give these that raised their hand this morning boldness to speak and to stand for you. Lord, may their, their homes and their community and the area in which they live, the workplace, may it be changed because your power is there. Father, may they seek your face and Lord, see you do great and mighty things. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercy this morning in this time of invitation. Father, we pray that you would have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing soft, or Just As I Am Without One Plea, page 270 this morning. Just As I Am Without One Plea. If God has spoken to your heart this morning and you're not sure...